Well, I, I want to begin by saying thank you to Jan Heiner, who created these beautiful arrangements and helped decorate our sanctuary this morning. Thank you, Jan. She also baked cookies and is probably now teaching children's class, so she, she does everything. But we're so appreciative of Jan. Also, next week, I'm thankful for Phil. Phil Manili will be preaching from John, the last chapter of John, and it's kind of like there's this you know, after the resurrection piece, like, oh, okay, Jesus is back from the dead, and there's some really important stuff that happens in the Gospels that applies to us. And so uh, Phil has told me this is one of his favorite chapters of the Bible. They're all your favorite, aren't they? I think so, yeah. That's right. Uh, and so I'm very excited to hear what he, the word that he's going to bring for us. Uh, coming up next, our next series, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is... And we'll kind of fill in that blank each week. In the kingdom of God, that's something that Jesus talks about a lot. If you've never noticed it as you read through any of the gospel passages, you'll see talk of this kingdom quite often. And uh, for followers of Christ, and including pastors, sometimes we're fuzzy on what exactly that is. But when Jesus talks about good news, it's often related to this kingdom that's imminent and coming. And so we want to be laser locked and focused and understand what exactly Jesus is talking about because it's, it's pretty impactful, it's, it's pretty um, joyful, and it's pretty enlightening for those of us who follow him. Well, today we're going to wrap up our, our series, our current series that we're in called Jesus Says. And uh, over the last six weeks, we've kind of highlighted statements of, of Jesus that he makes about himself. This is Jesus on Jesus. Uh, they all start, I am, and uh, there's a number of them. And each week we've kind of featured a little uh, in that back corner. There's lots of stuff at that back corner. If you haven't been to the back corner, you're going to want to go there. Um, we have these little cards that are available for you. Please take one home. Uh, there's a devotion on one side and uh, also a prayer practice. In prayer, there's no one-size-fits-all method or mode of prayer. Uh, there's, in fact, sometimes, uh, like in, in my line of work, there's almost too many different ways to pray. You're like, I just got to focus on one and, and get this in. So, so the, the mode of prayer that we're kind of highlighting during Lent here is breath prayers, okay? These are just, it's an inhale and an exhale. We're going to practice this, okay? So you could do this while you're waiting in line this week, waiting for class to start. Maybe you're waiting for a meeting to begin. Maybe you're in your car and both of your eyes are open and you're watching the light, but you're inhaling and exhaling prayers of Jesus. And so let's practice this. We're going to inhale and we're going to say to ourselves, we're going to thank Jesus, resurrection, and life. Okay, Jesus, resurrection, and life. And exhale, resurrect hope today. Let's try it again. Inhale, Jesus, resurrection, and life. Exhale, resurrect hope today. Jesus, resurrection, and life. Resurrect hope today. And so that's a, that's a breath prayer. What matters for Christians is who we're praying to. We're praying to Jesus. We're praying to God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And maybe this is a fitting prayer for you or for us today. Resurrect hope. Resurrect hope. You know, Easter is a day that we celebrate new life, and it just so happens that across North America, it kind of coincides with spring. And so, you know, new life is literally emerging all around us, although this year it seems to be taking its sweet time. 
does it not? We still got snow on the mountain. My tulips and my daffodils are confused. They're like, it's cold. Oh, no, it's warm. Oh, it's cold. They can't, you know, but I like it. Did I just admit to liking tulips and daffodils? I think I did. Um, but we just, we just know, we have hope that this change is imminent. It's on its way. It's happening before our eyes. It's, it's going to be here before we know it. You know, we have seasons in our life, too. And we can intellectually think, oh, man, I am so hopeful for this change. Or I feel stuck and I need a new season. And is it coming? I'm not sure when it's going to get here. Man, this prayer can help us. Jesus, resurrection and life. Resurrect hope today. Resurrect hope today. You know, our passage for this Easter morning, it comes from the life of Jesus. And it's, it's really, you know, in the timeline. We celebrate Easter week each year and, and kind of walk through the Gospels. And so how this story fits is this would have been like a couple weeks ago. This happened in the life of Jesus before his Passion Week, before he was crucified. And, um, but it, it was far enough along in his ministry that he was kind of a wanted man. The Jewish authorities were out to get him. Um, he was not safe in and around Jerusalem. And so he tells his disciples, like, hey, we're, um, we're headed back down towards Jerusalem. And you'll see as we read this, it says that he's within two miles of the city. And that just seems like kind of a superfluous comment, but it's because, uh, like, he's not safe. And they basically tell him, that's not a good idea, Jesus. But he says, we're going anyway, because the sisters, Mary and Martha, who are prominent figures in the Gospels, they're uh, very close friends of Jesus, they send him word that their brother, Lazarus, has taken ill. And it's obvious, like, how tight they are. But, well, first of all, they know where to find Jesus and send him a message. But all they say is, Lord, the one you love is sick. I mean, it shows you just how tight this family is with Jesus. Sure enough, Jesus comes in confidence. They had hope that Jesus could heal their brother. I mean, they had seen him make blind people see once again. So, of course, he can help their brother. But let's pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? Well, imagine if you were Martha. I mean, Jesus would have been the literal embodiment of hope. She had seen, well, she'd, she'd heard for sure, but even probably seen with her own eyes, Jesus miraculously heal people of illnesses, sicknesses, um, you know, physical disabilities, even bringing people back to life who are like on death's doorstep. So, you know, she probably would have had a lot of confidence in Jesus as soon as he would arrive, her brother, you know, would be well. But by the time Jesus arrives, her brother's dead. Four days dead, like dead in the tomb, dead. And so surely that was well beyond Jesus's power. But I wonder how that felt to Martha. I mean, for us and the modern world, I mean, imagine if you were close friends with a cardiac surgeon, and not just any surgeon, like one of the best in the world. I mean, you're close friends like you vacation together, friends. So imagine how you'd feel if your brother has a heart attack, and by the way, they're tight too, and is in need of surgery. But your friend's away at a medical conference, and as he's rushing to get back, he doesn't make it in time. He doesn't make it in time. How would you feel? You'd feel exactly like Martha. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Do you think that's how she said it? I mean, maybe she was more emotional. Maybe she was tearful. It might have taken her a long time to get the words out. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Or maybe it had an edge to it. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know what Martha is experiencing? I mean, this is what makes life so hard. It's, it's people that make us feel hopeful. It's the plans that we have hope in. And when they don't work out or when they don't come through, I mean, it's crushing. I mean, you're Martha. You've got Jesus on your team. What disease, what sickness, what illness can touch any of your loved ones? None can. And then it does. And the truth is, Jesus hadn't really hurried back. He'd stayed at that conference for another couple days. Hey, this sickness won't end in death, but that God's glory will be displayed through it. Whatever that means, right? But it turns out, before we judge Jesus, that even if he had hurried back, he wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it. There wasn't enough time. Jesus knew that, but did Martha? Did Mary? Do you think by the time they sent for Jesus, they knew the situation was hopeless? You know, this is real life right here. All of us can identify with Martha and Mary. I mean, the way I approach life is similar to many Christians. You know, I believe that God created the universe He's an all-knowing, all-powerful God. But he's not just this higher power that's up there in space somewhere. No, God knows my name. 
I know his name. God's also personal. He desires a relationship with human beings. And even though God might know how circumstances in my life turn out, I don't. And even though God has the power to intervene on my behalf, I also am aware that there's more in play than just my dreams and hopes and expectations and desires in life. I know that sometimes God chooses not to intervene. And so on my good days, I'm able to trust that God knows best, that he's got my interests in mind, that he's good. And I would have said it like Martha, like, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have But man, on my worst days, I would have said it like this. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Or my sister wouldn't have died. Or my friend wouldn't have died. Where were you? And you know, all throughout my life, I, I don't know how that, I don't, can you talk that way to God? Can you? I mean, my whole life, I don't, I don't know where I internalized this, but there was something about, you know, appropriate and inappropriate prayers. There was ways to talk to God and ways that you can't talk to God. You know, saying, if you'd have been here, that would have crossed a line somewhere. I'm not sure that I could talk that way to God. But if you and I ever hope to have a relationship with him that is personal, that is intimate, that is close, the kind of relationship, by the way, that God wants to have with us, then we have to learn from time to time to clear the air with God. We have to learn to name our struggles, to name our doubts before God and be willing to sit there with him and wait, to be willing to sit there before God and hear an answer. You know, hearing an answer, I don't know how you feel about that. I, as a pastor, there would, have, there would have been a time where I wouldn't have said that to someone. You know, you need to sit with God, name those fears, name those doubts, and hear an answer. And I wouldn't have said the hear the answer part because, you know, people who claim to hear voices, kind of crazy, right? And we've all had friends who are like, well, God told me, and we probably all had the same thought. Yeah, right. God told you. How do you know? God told you. But learning to hear God's voice in your life, discern God's voice from all the other noise that's going on, and then to be able to figure out what to do with that. You know, that's a fundamental thing to being a follower. Like, if you don't know how to do that, God is more than an idea. God is more than a philosophy. There is a connection a real-time life relationship that we can have with him. He speaks to us. We can hear his voice and know what to do with it. You know, there would have also been a, a, another reason I would have been nervous to tell people like, hey, you know, listen for God's voice. He'll give you an answer. Is because I'd be nervous to get their hopes up. Like, what if God doesn't answer? And you know, sometimes that's the answer. But I'm old enough now to have the experience of God speaking into my life about stuff I wondered 
20 years ago. I just wasn't ready to hear it until now. We must sit with those things, learn to clear the air with God, name our struggles and our doubts, and be willing to hear an answer. If we ever hope to have the tightness, the kind of closeness that a Martha, a Mary, and a Lazarus obviously had with Jesus. You know, Tammy Long, who authored these uh, little devotional prayer cards, uh, she asked two questions. She says, are you completely honest with Jesus? And are there things that you need to say to clear the air for hope to break through? And so here Martha says to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, you know, that's one of the most iconic statements of Jesus. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. In fact, I've joked about getting Jesus tattoos over the last few weeks, and this is one that I would get. I, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. I, you know, I, I don't know why I would get it. Maybe it just looks more impressive when it's on soft, like a soft skin somewhere. I don't know. But at least you can show people, like, like, oh, really, you have a tattoo. I don't want to see it. I digress. But the word resurrection means to raise up, to stand up. In Greek, it's, it's anastasis, or anastasis. The, the name Anastasia means resurrection, to be raised up, to lift it up, to be stood up again. And in Jesus' time, you know, there, there were lots of Jews who believed that the bodies of God's people who had died, you know, at, at judgment day, at the end day, at the last day, they would be um, clothed in new flesh once again. They, they had this belief. And so this is where you know, Martha is going, you'll notice in their conversation that she's, she really isn't blaming Jesus. Jesus is trying to comfort her. He's like, your brother is going to rise again. She's like, yes, but she doesn't realize Jesus means now. Now. Your brother is going to rise again now. She's thinking later, like much in the future later. She's got all the right answers. And then when Jesus asks, do you believe this? She responds. She tells Jesus. She's like, yes, I, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one that God sent into the world. And when she says this, Jesus is thinking, that's not what I asked you. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the Lord even over death itself? that I am the resurrection and the life. You know, this is so bold a statement that human beings don't make. I, I'm sure that Marcia, Martha, Marcia, I'm sure that Martha, she's like, really didn't comprehend what he was even trying to say there. I mean, these statements that Jesus makes about himself, you know, we talk about them as the I am statements because they're insightful. They're meaningful to us as, as Christians, especially as we look back on Jesus' life and we realize 
There's so many different layers of meaning. You know, the sacred name of God given to Moses is I am. It's Yahweh, Yavah. And so, you know, by starting this statement this way, Jesus, it just has this layer, I am the resurrection and the life. And as Jesus was raised from the dead, we realized he was God in the flesh and that these I am statements carried a truckload of significance for us. And one reason that they're so powerful, I think, in, you know, in, in Jesus is he knew who he was. Like here he is at 30 years old and he has this unbelievable sense of his own identity. Those kind of people are attractive. You know, you want to be friends with those kind of people. I, here I am at 46. I still feel like I'm figuring this out. And I know that I'm not the only person to, you know, who, who identity, that's like one of the, the journeys that all of us take. And yet our culture tries to tell us that, oh, well, you know, we need to form this self that we need to become actualized and I don't know. I think the more that I look inside internally at myself, the more like problems I see, right? And the answer isn't to just double down and, and like, well, I just need to help myself a little more. That's not how God created us. Our identity comes because we're in a relationship where, you know, with others, that, that's where who we are comes from. And Jesus is in relationship with his father. He has this sense, this core of his own identity. And when we recognize as the creatures that we have a creator and we step into a relationship with him, he speaks into our life. He gives us this confidence of who I am, why I'm here, what I'm for. It's freeing. It's life-giving. And so naturally, this is what we all want. When Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, what I believe Martha misses is that he's not saying, listen, I can provide resurrection for you sometime down the road. I can provide life, eternal life for you sometime down the road. No, Jesus is saying he is, like present tense, resurrection and life. So in other words, these are of what it means to be connected to Jesus. That resurrection and life aren't something that we wait around for 80 years or however long that we get to live on this planet. And oh, praise Jesus, now that we're dead, we get to experience resurrection and life. No, Jesus is saying that's here now. That power is alive given to you through me now. Do you believe it? You know, the Bible scholar, Gary Burge, he says it this way. He's like, if Jesus is life, then those who believe in him will enjoy the confidence and power over death known by him. This doesn't mean that Jesus' followers will not die a physical death, but that life will be theirs beyond the grave. They will not suffer death in eternity. Moreover, they will have a life now and do not have to wait the end of human time and history in order to enjoy 
the benefits of Jesus' power. So the question Jesus asked Martha is applicable for all of us. Do you believe this? Or do you believe me? You know, belief in the Bible can also, I mean, it's synonymous with trust, with faith. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? And so often in our everyday life, we fundamentally underestimate Jesus. We underestimate his power. And what he wants to say to us on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, this day that we celebrate every single year, is stop underestimating me. I am resurrection and life. And when we choose to trust him, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're given a taste of this resurrection life and power here and now. You want to know why I'm a Christian? Well, partly because of this hope that I have someday that I'm not just going to be warm food, that God's going to bring new life into my dead bones with him forever. Yes, absolutely, in on that. But don't miss out on the second part. Don't miss out on the and life part. That's here and now. That's the good news, that Jesus is alive here and now, and that he can breathe into us with his power, his resurrection power, an ability or an experience of new life that can only be found in connection to him. Do you believe it? Do you trust him? The and life part. I mean, the resurrection part is is everything. And life. Don't forget about that. It's not just our life either. You know, when you think about where in my community, where in my world, needs hope. You know, where, where do I need to pray or lean into the, the life that God has for us? You know, Jesus is coming back to set the world straight. He's not rescuing us from this terrible, awful, broken planet, and then he's going to whisk us away to... No, he's redeeming the world. We're saved for a, for a, we get new life for a new world. He's restoring. And each and every single Easter Sunday, especially once you follow Jesus for a while, I mean, sometimes it's Groundhog's Day and you just come right back. Easter, yay, we're going to have ham this year. Are we going to, turkey? I don't know. The and life part is the key. Because God lives in and through you to make a difference in this world. Where is he calling? Where is his voice pointing you? What are you going to do about it? Do you believe me? That's Easter. That's Easter. Please join me in prayer. Lord, this is the day that we...
We remember an empty tomb, and man, um, people were surprised. They didn't see it coming. We're surprised. In fact, it's still hard for us to believe that there was an empty tomb that you came back from the grave. But you did, and we believe it. And Lord, we want to, for those of us that have, have never received that resurrection life, Lord, we, we pray, we put it into our own words right now. We, we want you to be our Lord. We want to believe. We do believe that you died and rose. We put our faith in you, Lord. And we're grateful for the gift of eternal life that that brings us. But we want to experience the power of your spirit in our life every single day. Help us to taste that, Lord, and see. Help us to know that you are good. And for those of us that maybe are stuck in that season of where spring, you know, is hope coming or is new life on its way? Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters or anyone here, Lord, that might feel that. I pray that you would resurrect hope in them. You would resurrect hope in you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ.